Hey guys, it's your host Julian. Happy Halloween! This marks our third Halloween special and our 150th episode, and we are talking Billy and Mandy's Jacked Up Halloween with series creator Maxwell Adams. If you haven't yet, you should check us out on Patreon. We're offering three tiers with a lot of fun perks. Some of those perks included in the three tiers are a special shout out to all the patrons, question priority, early and ad-free access to the audio and video chats, voting on our upcoming retrospectives, and so much more. Now, let's get on to my chat with the great Maxwell Adams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by a returning guest, man, Maxwell. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I'm, I'm I've been looking forward this to this. almost bare room with this <laughs> two plants. With these, with these two plants, man. Hey, man, everybody needs a friend. I think the late, great Bob Ross said that, uh, you know, everybody needs a friend, and he would always paint happy little trees next to happy little That's trees, right. man. So. That's right. He even even through uh, even through the grave, he's inspiring art, um, and there wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be an episode without Maxwell if we weren't talking about some spooky stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Halloween! If you're listening to this man, it's Halloween, um, and we're going to talk about back from the grave. Uh, yeah, man, they said it couldn't be done, Maxwell. They said that pun could not be set up into a great segue, and I crushed it, man. But we're talking Billy and Mandy's Halloween special. There were so many questions, ladies. We're gonna pepper them throughout the, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna pepper them throughout the the entire chat, so we won't save it for the end. We'll once uh once certain topics come up, I'll you know pause and we'll we'll hit a couple questions and then we'll move on. Um, but I gotta say, dudes, watching this one, I watch this one every year for Halloween since I was a kid. Every time they would play it on Cartoon Network, and then when I would deploy, I actually had this talk. Uh, I think it was Jody. I don't know if you know who Jody Schaefer is. He created uh, oh, Mega yeah, Sex. Sure. Okay, so yeah, there he was, was... Uh, like a, a floor below me, I think. Yeah. I, exactly. I keep, yeah, I keep forgetting you guys were, were tiered up as far as floors go. Um, Brian Miller had talked to us about like what each level floor had, and then mm-hmm. each level of the floors, they all had their like specific... I like think one place had a waffle maker. The other one had like a, a, an espresso machine or something like that. But each floor had something different that was like the centerpiece or the focal point um, for all the uh, the uh, hard workers that were over there at Cartoon Network Studios. I never really uh, processed until now that it was purposeful. But yeah, that's the way it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's just like seeing how you guys not only just delineated between each floor, but like each he was like each show had their own flow. So each show liked certain things, didn't like certain things. So he would talk about we could have this here, but we have to go like up three floors if you wanted it type of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I remember watching this, uh, getting back to Billy and Mandy. I remember watching this special every year it would air. And the reason I bring up Jody is because uh, how I got Megas XLR before they released it on um, on you know iTunes. I can't remember how long ago they released on iTunes. Like you had to like go to Comic Cons and get uh, like knockoff DVDs that they would make, and that's how I got the first two seasons of Megas XLR. I got them on DVD. It was a bootleg copy from like two thousand, I think nine or ten is when I got it, or maybe even eight. Um, and that's how I got a lot of the um, Halloween specials between this one, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. There was the Christmas specialist as well. There's no other way to get the physical copy of this. So I was getting to see this one on HBO and rewatch it for the last couple of years, ever since uh, HBO or Max, whatever it is now, um, has launched this. Uh, I got to say, it gets funner and funner or more fun each time I watch this special. Um, so like I said, just kicking it off at the top, man. How do you come about making this one? I really enjoyed this one. How does it come to be? Uh, I I mean, Cartoon Network asked for it. Like, generally, yeah. that's kind of how these specials go. It's like you don't really want to do anything that they tell you to do until they tell you to do it. <laughs> uh, and that's, I don't know. That's just kind of how specials go for me is 
now now you kind of know they're coming i feel like or uh -huh. i know they're coming where uh like you you start a show and you're like well eventually if if we're successful enough they're gonna want a, a christmas special and a halloween special and some other kind of special uh so yeah with with cartoon network with this one uh they just they asked for it and i was like well what even is a, a billy and mandy halloween or christmas special are we talking halloween we're talking halloween oh we're talking halloween uh, yes yeah uh so they they did ask for that too so uh you know i uh sat down and, and tried to think of what a halloween special like an atypical halloween special would be mm -hmm. uh and i hadn't really seen pumpkins as the monsters at that point so that's kind of what i used to think of actually when i used to watch the the peanuts uh uh, the Great Pumpkin. Great like, Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. That was yeah. the the expectation when I was a little kid was that the Great Pumpkin was actually going to be something horrible. <laughs> so I think that's kind of uh, kind of where that the seed of that idea came from was just my my own irrational childhood fears of the peanuts. Pumpkins. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny you bring up the peanuts because that was going to be the first question that I was going to ask once you started talking about. It. I was like, I wonder if he drew inspiration from anything, and knowing that. <laughs> You were terrified of the pumpkin monsters that could have possibly been in the peanuts is fascinating because not only did it did it uh you know make it into your special, but until you said that, I was like, man, it kind of like life kind of sets you up between cartoons and TV shows of like these little these little things that shouldn't be like a pumpkin monster, right? And then you go back and you watch something as wholesome, as nice, and as kind as the pumpkins, and you think about it, it was like, man, if Charles Schultz really wanted to go dark here, he could have went dark and made all of the pumpkins monsters, you know what I mean? But you did that, what, 30, 40 years uh, later? Um, and that's a great special to watch, too. I, I love the great pumpkin, uh, Charlie Brown. Yes. Yeah, uh, I would still argue yeah. that Charlie Brown's life may be darker than anything I've ever done. Really? <laughs> Do tell. Let's, let's, yeah. let's go down this road you for know, just a second. Do just, tell. Uh, so it's getting the football snatched away. There's there's a deep dark sadness underneath it all. <laughs> it is pretty uh, melancholy when you think, but it's very morbid. He's good um, with the it's therapy. Kinda... And he's like eight, dude, and it's it's so cheap back then too. I wonder what that'd be priced for inflation yeah. these days. It's like a nickel. So I wonder what that would be. You know, you know, fat flash forward 30, 40 years in the in the future, man. Uh, but getting back to to Billy and Mandy, um, like I said, this one was so fun. A lot of fans that wrote in said this was their favorite holiday special cartoon network ever put on. Um, now when you're working on this, did you get any extra time? I know it's about roughly about the same amount of time as a normal episode was. Um, I think it fell within, you know, the standard season cycle. So it dropped, you know, close to Halloween. Um, but did you guys get any extra time when it comes to doing any holiday specials? Um, yeah, especially like later on, like if I knew they were coming, I could mm -hmm. sort of beg for more time. And I with with the Halloween special, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Like, yeah, I think you know it wasn't a lot, but it was sort of a thing where I was like, it is a special. Can we please have like an extra week on the boards? That kind of thing. Like nothing extreme, but <laughs> man, an extra week. You wouldn't think that'd be too much, but when you talk to a lot of the board artists, it's like everything that they turn in. It's like turned in at the very last possible second that it'll be allowed, you know, and it, without getting in trouble. Um, so I got to, I got to imagine that extra week helped pretty, uh, pretty substantially. Um, yeah. When you're mapping this one out, uh, do these kind of take priority over standard episodes within a season? Do you guys try to bang this one out first or is it just sequential? You know, uh, knock I mean, them out in order? Like as a, as a showrunner, it's sort of like whatever priority I want to give it. And since it's a special, like, yeah, I, I do push for, resources toward that 
Now, how long did this uh, idea take to flush out for for this special? Do you remember? Do you remember sitting around the white writers room? Um, that was a question. Like I, again, like I, it wasn't much longer than any other episode. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just the the amount of importance that we kind of devoted to it. Um, I remember. I can't speak to to exact timetables, but uh, it very much was a collaboration between, like myself and the board artists uh, Brett Barron and Paul McAvoy. Like mm-hmm. I do remember, we all got in a room and kind of hashed out the broad strokes of the story and and storyboarded little pieces, and uh, they were kind of going back and forth, sewing bits together. Yeah, well, that works out, man. Um... It's just, it's so fascinating how collaborative you guys are when it comes to animation and and what you guys do for a living because it's like you guys all like plus one each other you guys all one up each other it's like oh this would be cool oh it'd be really funny if he did this and then that leads to this you know um, so I love hearing you know how kind of works with you guys um, when you're doing this one uh, we got a lot of questions about Jack and of course the voice of Jack. Was this your first choice as far as um, Wayne Knight voicing Jack? Uh, no, actually, we uh, we had theoretically Gary Oldman, like he was going really? to do it. Uh, and I was super excited about that just because at that time uh, uh, he was, you know, Sid from Sid and Nancy and, and Dracula and, you know, all sorts of great roles. But he had not yet done Harry Potter. Uh, and it's Harry Potter that took him away from us at the last possible second. And I think we were left with like about a week uh, to to recast the role. So my uh, my voice director, Kristen Merman, was like, hey, I can get you Wayne Knight. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I kind of felt like I didn't know what I was getting into, but he turned out to be really great. And, uh, you know, it just, it required a lot of laughing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can imagine, I could at that point imagine a, a maniacal Gary Oldman laugh, but I didn't really know an insane Wayne Knight laugh. And I don't know why, because I, I guess I wasn't thinking of, of Jurassic Park, but uh, yeah, he turned out to be great. So I I had always hoped to kind of bring him back someday, but we never quite got around to it. Oh man, it would have been, it would have been really cool. And uh, you know, that was one question from the fans. Uh, did you have any um, ideas for a second special or any chance of bringing Jack back. Now, if you would have brought him back, would you have brought him back in another Halloween special? Would it have just been like a reoccurring, like a treehouse of horrors every year? It's going to drop a treehouse of horrors. Would you want to bring Jack back if you got another special for a Halloween special? Um, I actually figured if he came back, it would be in an Underfist special. And yeah, I did have a thought that maybe, you know, if Underfist became a series, we would do a Halloween special every year and maybe that would happen. But I also thought thought he might be fun to bring back for just a like a completely different kind like of special like a christmas special or yeah just something else fourth of july who knows oh man that would have been fun if you could have choose any holiday what holiday would you bring him back for if you could do a special oh i don't know for jack i guess i'd avoid christmas for nightmare before christmas reasons yeah. oh it's got to be arbor day right thanksgiving arbor day yeah i you know you always <laughs> want to do the arbor day special it's never yeah. happened no, it's never. You could have been the first one, man. That would have. Uh, that would have really. <laughs> Somebody's done it. Somebody. There's somebody out there that's always done it, man. Simpsons probably did it, if we're being yeah. honest. Um, ah, oh, shit. Where were we? We were talking about Wayne Knight, man. Uh, it would have been a very different Jack, wouldn't it? If if Gary would have done it. I mean, I, I you a big fan of Back to the Future? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So for the life of me, I can't remember the guy that they cast to play Marty McFly before Michael J. Fox. Um, but they had. 
they had, do you know who it is? Do you know who Eric the actor is? Stoltz. Thank he you, man. He was in uh, The Fly 2. <laughs> yes. Um, was that the same guy that was in The Mask as well? Yes. Man, that movie the, terrified the, the shit out of me as a kid. I saw that yeah, way too right? young. It's, yeah, weirdly... Like that, that, uh, and the Elephant Man. I was arrested. That's a Halloween. That's a Halloween special in itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, when you see the side by sides when they play the same scenes that both Eric and and uh, Michael J. Fox play, it's a tremendously different movie. It's a lot darker on Eric's side. It didn't really get upbeat and punchy up, or not punchy up. It didn't really get upbeat and fun until Michael J. Fox was cast as Marty. And I wonder if it would have that same kind of vibe if Gary would have done it, or if you do, if you could have both, you know, side by side and see which one would have turned out or how it would have turned out between Wayne and Gary. Uh, would, would you have changed any, or did you change anything um, for the voice actor coming in, for Wayne coming in? If we did, it was in the room, and I don't really remember it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did always sort of like reserve like a, a piece of my brain for like jokes that weren't quite there, and I was like, "Well, I'll, I'll see if I can fix that when I get in the room." It's like your last shot, kind of, to improve things. But I don't think there was too much of a change from the the board and the script at that point. I was just curious, just Kevin, like I said, a different actor coming in. And it's all be interesting if it was just he was going to do the same script you had or if you got to talk to him at all, if anything kind of influenced, you know, whether it was mannerisms that, that Wayne would have or something he said or something he would act or if that would dictate the character of Jack at oh, all. Oh, yeah. We don't have a lot of time to change things after the record usually. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, definitely like once we heard, you know, his laugh and how he sounded. I did do a, a final pass over the board and just kind of pushed certain poses and added little bits here and there. What uh did did you? I, I got to imagine uh, you were doing some of the boards for this, but did, did you get to do any of the boards for it? Uh, mostly it was Brett Varon and Paul McAvoy. They mm -hmm. this is one of the ones where uh, I didn't really do the board, but uh, because there was sort of more attention on it, I, I did do sort of a more intensive pass over it. Yeah, but even then, like I'll say, the the guts of what was there were were those uh, those two artists. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. Um, was there anything that you wanted to get in there that you couldn't? Uh, no, I I was really kind of happy with where we ended up. It was sort of a fight to get uh, the head chopping because that that's uh, sort of infamously one of the issues they had early on with the whole show was like. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, can we have the Grim Reaper and call him the Grim Reaper? They had a focus group about that. And then they had a separate focus group where they were like, well, can he have the scythe? And then sort of to cap that off, they were like, well, he can have the scythe, but like he can't chop anybody's head off. And and I kind of got away with that early episode where, you know, it looked like he might be chopping Billy and Mandy's heads off, but he's, you know, cutting the pie. And uh, that was kind of all we ever did with it. And then the, the, this was sort of our second sort of push for it. But but this time he actually was chopping somebody's head off. So I had to be like, well, you're not going to see it. And, you know, it's important to the storyline. And so it was sort of this this big back and forth. And like just getting that, that's the victory I kind of remember. And anything that was sort of lost in, in to the wayside in there, like, I don't remember <laughs> It, it's it's wild what can go and what can't go in a show. Like, obviously, 
you know, Cartoon Network is for kids, um, you know, to an extent. And uh, just what they would pass. Like, I've, I've gotten to talk to so many of you guys and gals that have been on the show that have worked for Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Disney, and everything like that. They've got to create their own shows. And what is an easy pass or what you, you'd scratch your head and like, how did that get on? But something as simple as, you know, an example that you were using or any anybody else that I've had on that had something very, very minor that just wouldn't pass standards and practices. But you would have, like I said, and 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 David Feast's cow and chicken, you had a you had a devil. You just couldn't call him the devil, you had to call him the red guy, and he walked on his butt cheeks. Uh, you had all of these characters that were just wild. So like like I said, I get it, it's understandable. Um, you know, but if you're gonna have the Grim Reaper or Grim Reaper, he's gotta have the scythe. If he's gotta have the scythe. He's got to cut somebody's head off. So we're glad we got to see it with Jack, at least, man. Um, now, when when this one's going, uh, or when was the last time you watched this, anyways? If you don't mind me asking. The Halloween special? Yeah. Oh, it's it's been a few years. It's been a few years. Uh, I got to imagine uh, watching it, you might see some things that you wanted to change, or is there same... Knowing what Maxwell knows now, is there anything that watching the special, would you I go mean, back and change? Yes and no. It's I'm always sort of pleased when i see these things again mm-hmm. that they kind of hold up and some of the jokes still work there's cringy moments things i wouldn't do again but uh for, for the times it's like you know i i understand what it was and knowing what i knew then it's like it sense. <laughs> as long as you can look back at it and look and be happy about it man so that's all it counts because obviously as we grow our tastes change or we might have learned a a new technique that would have made something look a lot better in, in anybody's profession so i always like sure. asking those questions you know so because it's it's hindsight being 2020 but you've also got that experience you know um oh yeah now, I, have a, with... I have a dream that one day i'll i'll run another show and i'll be able to like start from like you know ground zero and just set everything up like knowing uh you know it, it, applying everything i've learned over the years but that's not really how things tend to work it's usually just like i start and i'm like all right i'm going to come up with a plan this week and then next week we'll uh, have a meeting and then day one it's just like oh shit everything's gone crazy you need to get in here and fix it i'm like (laughs) that should be the name of your autobiography whenever you get to write (laughs) that is oh shit (laughs) you're probably right oh man that'd be a fun one uh now with uh with this one it well Hold on, let's stay on that topic for just a second. In the hypothetical in the hypothetical world or a hypothetical scenario here, if you were to have that privilege of, you know, saying, Hey, I've got this show, and somebody goes, Hey, make your show, and they throw a whole bunch of money at you. Um, are you gonna bring back Billy and Mandy? Like I said, hypothetical question. Are you gonna bring back Billy and Mandy, or would you like to kind of flush out that underfist? I uh, I mean, I I guess if it's Cartoon Network just saying like, hey, do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, there's there's actually a third option that I've sort of oh. fallen in love with. <laughs> what's the, what's this third option, Maxwell? I want to. Um, I can't really say, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. So someday I'll say. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully the next time you come on, man, we can talk about it. Um, I didn't mean to pressure you. I, I didn't know we were going for a. Uh, I thought this is the hypothetical. No, it's thing. all right. <laughs> there's uh, you know, if if there there's a a thing that I pitched pre-pandemic mm-hmm. that's just sort of been hovering. And I'm still excited about it. So I, I I have dreams that one day it'll come back to life, but we'll see. Hey man, uh, I hope that, I hope that happens for you. Um, now in a, in a hypothetical world, if you can't answer it, I understand. Uh, I, well, 
in this in this world we're in now. If they pass on it, can you take it to a different studio, or does it, or do they own? No, it this is this is specifically a Billy and Mandy thing, so this would be. Oh. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Ride or die, Cartoon Network. Got you. Well, the checkered past is, you know, hitting. And uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people my age, because, you know, all of these shows that they've taken off of networks or streaming services, um, or you can't find physical copies of. So it's nice seeing Adult Swim pick it up. I mean, what's it like sitting back, you know, 20 years after the show airs and then seeing, you know, a Billy and Mandy show popping up on a checkered past or a new block that Adult Swim is pushing? Uh, it's definitely cool. Uh, yeah. It was on HBO and, and may still be on HBO. Yeah, uh, it is. But uh, there was a good long while where it was it was really hard to find. And there's there's still uh, like, I, I think if you look on eBay, the DVDs are just like ridiculously mm-hmm. overpriced because that's all there is. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, de- definitely cool that it's it's back on the air again. So uh, hopefully people who watch it, I. Uh, you know, like I said, there's there's an option three and, and an option four and an option one that I'm not against for the maybe. Well, hopefully one of those options, whichever option you want the most, man, hopefully that happens. Well, fuck it, man. It's 2023. Hopefully all of those options are open towards you. Because if there's anybody that I've had on this show that deserves it, man, it's you. Um, there were so many of us that were deprived of the privilege of having you know, your creation, Billy and Mandy, you know, your concept, you know, uh, it was such an amazing, I told you this the first time I had you on, man, it was such an amazing show. It it touched so many of us and it was so different than anything that I had seen on Cartoon Network before. So I I never got to see a Grim Reaper. And the fact that he befriends two kids, one of them is an asshole, one of them is an idiot. And it just, it all works, man. It was, there was something in there for everybody. I mean, you made me almost like spiders for a very small. <laughs> I do not do spiders. There's two things I don't That's do. I don't my do puke. Sister said. <laughs> yeah, I don't do puke and I don't do spiders. Those are the two. Those are the two. Uh, like no, no, uh, don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars type of thing for me, man. Um, but you, you, like I said, you made me like him for a couple episodes, and it's like, eh, if all spiders were like this guy. I, I could get along a little bit better in my life, man. Um, but you know, getting it back to the Halloween special. Now, obviously, you said you haven't seen this one in a little while, man. But is there any scene in particular throughout this entire special that sticks out to you? This most being like, man, that was a lot of fun or that came out so good. Um, I do like the, uh, the the moment when Billy's kind of first beating Jack when he's just knocking on the door and then knocking on his head. It's just sort of good old fashioned cartoon fun. Mm-hmm. Uh Definitely, that I feel like uh, the end of the the Halloween special is kind of when Erwin came into his own. Yes, because before that, uh, I feel like for his first couple of appearances, he didn't really have anything to do but kind of stammer and just be embarrassed around Mandy. Uh, so this was really the first time he got to kind of shine. So that was cool. Was there any man? How how do I say this? When when you've got the the two board artists that you have you got working that did you know, like you said the primary brunt of the the uh, storyboarding for this one, um, is there anybody that like out of the two do they say hey I would like to do more Irwin or I'd like to do more um, Billy I'd like to do more Mandy more Grim how do you uh, hand out those kind of boards or those kind of scenes? I I think it since this was folded into the the schedule it's just sort of like you get what you get and that's kind of 
the great shame sometimes about these specials uh, is, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, uh, we ran into this on Jellystone uh, season two uh, when I was working on that. Uh, was I, I had just begun and we had a basically a, a completely new crew. Uh, most of the people from the first season hadn't returned, so uh, it was just fresh crew. And right off the bat, we had like two two specials. <laughs> so it was just first board. There you go, special. Boom. Enjoy. Like uh, two parts, you're working with this person you never met. Have fun. Uh, so it was it was sort of like that. Like these two guys at least knew each other, but uh, it was assigned. Uh, so Paul got the first half. Uh, Brett got the second half. Uh, but since it was a special and since the two has sort of did have to connect, uh, they, they really did do a good, good job communicating. Uh, Paul was very much more uh cinematically minded uh mm-hmm. he also did uh who killed who and uh a couple of the early sort of uh, uh brown evil a, lo- a lot of the ones where it's like you know low horizons and silhouettes yeah. and groaning and and just shots of moving corn and things like that the spooky stuff uh and brett was very much just about the the physical comedy and the the old school cartoon hijinks so uh yeah, I, I think you will see more of the sort of the serious sort of spooky stuff in the first half and more of the goofy in the second half, especially with the the way it ends. But uh, there was a lot of cross-pollination and, and they did work together. So it was a lot of fun. Now, I don't know. I try like I try whenever I talk to you guys to try to make sure I don't ask you the same questions you've been asked because it's boring. It's not fun for you guys. It's not fun for me. I want to ask you something different to get your brain thinking now. And I, I tried to look puke again. <laughs> no <laughs> spiders neither we won't talk puker okay. spiders um what we might we might who knows uh we'll see where the evening takes us man um but no the the scene at the end that you're talking about ladies and gentlemen if you haven't seen it this is your your chance three two one spoiler alerts coming um at the end when everybody essentially starts dying and then they're cast off into the other world or the under well i mean it was in the sky so i don't know if it's considered the underworld they did um, go into a portal that technically goes to the underworld but it was in the sky it's a gray area <laughs> i just thought it was fun i was because like, my oldest son was watching with me he's like where are they going i was like hell i think underworld i'm not <laughs> yeah, sure because it's in the sky <laughs> i was like the next uh when i have maxwell on, i'll ask him um but uh that scene was very reminiscent of something that I, I hold so near and dear to my heart it was who framed roger rabbit was that any kind of influence like remember when the weasels are all dying because they're laughing themselves mm-hmm. to death and they're going up into the sky was that was that uh you know, a coincidence, or did you guys draw any kind of inspiration from uh, Who Framed Roger sure Rabbit? We, I'm sure we talked about it at some point. I think I can remember us talking about it, but I think in the moment it kind of came out of just a natural conclusion to to just Jack's character, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah I think I think it just kind of came out of that, and then we were like, "Hey, this is very much like Roger Rabbit," so that probably did. Uh, in the animation draw from that yeah I, I just like i said i just thought it was really cool and i didn't know if it was like an homage i was like because i really like you know getting to talk to so many of you guys from creators to directors to board artists to everybody in between it's it's insane what one person sees and what another person sees like so you'll see a piece of film and then you might point out how they shot it or how it was angled or you know the dialogue or what was set up in the landscape or the background to make you 
focus on that while this guy was talking. So there's so many different aspects that I've learned after talking to so many people and how everything was shot. And you guys taking scenes from some of your favorite movies or favorite music videos or favorite cartoons and then paying tribute or paying homage to that show, that movie, that music video. I, I like going back now that because I never thought about that. I was like, you guys are fucking fans of film and movies and and cartoons just like we are. And then I was like, you could see a direct influence in so many of these shows going back when you actually have that, that I guess in your, in your back of your mind, you're like, I'm looking for something now. I want to see who out of the Warner Brother directors they like the most. Oh, he liked Tex Aver. He liked Bob Clampett. He liked Chuck. And you can kind of see it in you guys' artwork because you're paying tribute to the guys that, you know, um, enticed you and, and inspired you when you guys were coming up. Um, was there any piece of dialogue throughout the special that you look back on and think, damn, that was funny. We nailed it on that one. Not that I can think of right now. No, <laughs> no, it'll come. It'll come after. Um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, you, you had mentioned the scene with, uh, Billy and Jack. I love that whole interaction. I would love to see a buddy cop spinoff of Jack and Billy. I think it would be a lot of fun. You could have, you know, the threes company angle where Grimm's popping in every once in a while. But I think those two have a very fun chemistry that we don't really get to see, you know, in regular Grimm adventure, uh, you know, episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to do a buddy cop thing. So, well, if you could do a buddy cop, man, this is, these, these are your characters, man. Who would you do a buddy cop? Come with? on, Cartoon Network. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Billy and Matt. Yeah. That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Billy, Billy and Jack, buddy cop team. Oh, who's the good cop? Who's the bad cop? Buddy cop team. Who's good cop, bad cop? Uh, I don't even think they could figure that out. They're, they're the idiots, I think. Oh, man. I, I think that if anything, we would win as as viewers. So what I figure we can do right now is we'll rotate into a couple fans questions and then we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, special and then we'll rotate into some more fans questions. Sure. Um, so the first one here, if you ever directed another Scooby-Doo. Oh, and before I ask you this question, I love Jellystone both seasons one and seasons two i didn't realize you worked on it um it is a fantastic show i wish more people i talk to people about it and the first thing they say is it's not my hannah barbera i was like no it doesn't have to be your hannah barbera because we already have those but getting to see a new story a new art style putting yogi bear as a doctor I, I, brilliant i think it's yeah, so that, fun that's all so uh, fun. that's all ch greenblatt to was the voice of Fred Fredberger and and yeah. was also a storyboard artist on the show. That's that's his show and sort of his his concept for it. And I forget uh, that airing seasons aren't necessarily seasons as I've become accustomed to. So I'm actually mm -hmm. on season three, I guess, as far as the release yeah. goes. Uh, but I think there's a lot of fun things people will enjoy in there. there we got uh, the old school Space Ghost uh coast to coast crew back as best we could uh for a couple episodes and there's some really weird stuff there's there's a fantastic crossover that i don't dare yet talk about <laughs> i mean has season three dropped or is it going to drop soon do you know uh, what they said i think it's next spring so we're six it's months so away, maybe. away so that's uh that's actually one of the characters i'll be working on next is i'm a huge space ghost fan um i'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly i know is it alex toth or is it alex toth do you know i I've, I've heard it both ways uh yeah. i used to say toth 
it's probably okay. toast. I don't know, but yeah, I love his stuff. Oh, dude, it, it's the Space Ghost, and I love Space Ghost Coast to Coast as well. So, did you guys? You probably can't talk about it, and if if you can't talk about it, we'll just skip over it. But did you guys get to use any of the? You know, Martin's been gone for a couple years now. Martin C. Croker, he did Zorak. Um, but do you guys just use stock audio from that? If you can't talk about it, we'll skip it. But uh, no, we we used uh, another actor. Okay. Uh, but everybody else we got. All right, that's cool. Because I know George Lowe was kind of going through some uh, some health issues right now. So I was like, oh, yeah, please, man. Yeah. I hope I hope they got George. Yeah, we he got in there right before kind of he had this. Right so. before he got sick. Okay. I, I, um, last I heard, he was doing better. So, oh, that's a good thing, man. Because, like I said, he's doing I, I hope so, man. I love Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, you know, we did a little retrospective uh, a few months back, and getting to go back and rewatch a lot of those things, I was like, dude, I wonder what this would have been like if they bring this back. I, I would love to see Space Ghost Coast to Coast come back. It'd be, you know, kind of hard with you know Martin gone. Um, and a couple of the, uh, you know, uh, the other people, the writers and a couple of board arts that were originally on it gone. Uh, but it would be really fun to see them take a jab at what it's been like for the last 15 years, 20 years since it's been off the air. Um, it'd be cool to see them revisit it. Um, but getting back to that, uh, those questions, big gamer 18 wanted to know if you ever directed another Scooby-Doo animated film, would you do a crossover with Billy and Mandy? Like they crossed over courage and, uh, courage and Scooby. I always thought that would be fun. Uh, mm. I, I actually pitched the idea out once and they were like, well, it would look too weird. <laughs> I don't think it and would. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. But yeah, now that it's, now that courage has been there, like, could it look any weirder than that? Probably not. So I yeah, don't think I, so. I would do that. That would be fun. There's you and, and, and um, shit, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Um, I can see his face, Dilworth, John Dilworth. You guys, by far, when it comes to the Cartoon Network catalog, had the most out there and fun cartoons when it came to... I, I love spooky stuff, but I don't like horror movies, if that makes any sense. Like, I like Scooby-Doo spooky. I like Courage spooky. I love fucking Billy and Mandy spooky. So, um, you guys had one of the coolest styles when it came to just your look, your vibe, and the feel of the show. Uh, I told Robert and Zeddy this, too, when I had him on. Mean an account. I was so happy that I got Halloween every year when I would watch Billy and Mandy, it felt like Halloween season. It was just, it was so fun. It was so imaginative. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So it would be cool to see Billy and Mandy. I mean, Johnny Bravo got to do it. Now Curse the cowardly dog did it. Um, so I would love to see Billy and Mandy be the next wave of, uh, Scooby-Doo crossovers. Uh, Tynesha Lewis wanted to know, um, I love the special during Halloween and the Ed, Ed and Eddie boo-ha-ha. I would ask, how did you come up with the idea for Jacked Up Halloween? Any favorite scenes from the special? Now, obviously, we talked about, uh, you know, the the scene with Billy and Jack. And then we talked about it was just another episode you guys got to do a special with. Does anything that you can think of stick out as far as uh, memorable while working on this one? In the pre-production. I guess we'll stick with the pre-production. Mm. I guess uh, early on, uh, Jack wasn't going to be the bad guy. It was uh, actually going to be the boogeyman, but not the boogeyman as Billy Mandy ended up with the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. uh, it was this different character. And I, I've posted art online before uh, that was called Bumpy Rumpy. And he was technically the boogeyman, but he uh, was just sort of this guy in like sort of a 
onesie outfit, but he had like an additional face on his stomach. I think like up here it was like kind of a warthog face, and down here it was a human face. It was very strange. Uh, so that almost happened, and there weren't many pumpkins at all. What made you want to go that route instead of Jack? If we can go down that road for just a second, um, I, I think it was just you know early thoughts about you know again just trying not to do like the typical Halloween special, mm -hmm. and I had sort of this character on my roster of characters, and I hadn't used him yet, so. Well, that would have been fun to see. Mentally, at least, gave it a shot. <laughs> hey, man, you gave it a shot, and you guys knocked it out of the park. What was the uh, reception like from from Cartoon Network and the people that worked on the show, man? I got to imagine it hit off with you guys as much as it did with us. Uh, yeah, it was it was nice. It was uh, that was kind of the first project that we had our art director for. Like mm -hmm. before that, it was just kind of you know, me and a bunch of designers and it was all kind of loosely held together. Uh, so we got Ray McCarson uh, in as an art director uh, and she was actually married to one of our board artists at the time, Brett Barron, uh, who did half of the Halloween special. But uh, yeah, this was sort of her first crack at it. And uh, really it just kind of pushed the visuals of the show forward a bit. Like there, there, mm -hmm. there are kind of these demarcations where every season or so every season or two we would sort of change designs and usually that came because we would have downtime where we just didn't mm -hmm. know we would ever get picked up again and you know when when you do the first six half hours you draw the characters i don't know how many hundreds of times and you're like well it looks better if i draw them this way so you do the, the revamp and uh this just kind of fell on one of those lines where uh we kind of i did the revamp on the character she did the revamp on the, the backgrounds and the show kind of evolved in that moment now uh this was something I've, I've learned like i said these last couple years um but uh I, i've always heard of like people coming back season to season um and then like they would have like a list of like do's and don'ts for specific characters um did you have any of those uh you know for the main three billy mandy and grim that like do's or do nots uh, yeah, for sure. That A lot of that stuff sort of evolved over time as well. We're just, after you draw the character thousands of times, you're like, well, it looks good if I do it this way. It looks terrible if I do it this way. So eventually I did, you know, one of those uh, versions of the, the model pack where there are, are lots of yeses and nos and do this and don't do this. Uh, uh, one of my favorites uh, that seems to surprise people is that Billy actually has full on eyes. Like they're not really just dots. Every now and then they are just like dumb dots that are randomly placed for effect. But uh, like when they're looking around, like I actually do draw the white uh, mm -hmm. and then I just don't clean that up. There's just sort of this under eye bag and this maybe indication of, of where his eyes are looking. But if you don't have that on there, it's like people tend to draw his eyebrows too low and then he just sort of looks like this weird Cro-Magnon man. <laughs> So, yeah, it's stuff like that. We're just like, if if you do it, it looks okay. But if you don't do it, like something's off and you won't quite know what it is, but it's off. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Do you have uh, any that come to mind for Mandy and Grimm? Either a do or a do not? Uh, well, the obvious do not for Mandy is do not make her smile. Uh, don't make her happy at all. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that was 
you know, uh, definitely a fight in the beginning with everyone uh, because everyone wanted to sort of make her maniacal and they were like, well, after she does this horrible thing, can she smile? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> uh, and I, again, with Paul McAvoy, like he was a prankster, so he would, uh, in addition to other pranks, put in just like Mandy's panels of Mandy smiling because he knew it drove me crazy. And a couple of those snuck through, which is why she smi actually does smile like three times during the series because we'd We'd get the footage back and I, I wouldn't notice then and by the time I notice it would either be too late or we wouldn't have the the time to fix it. So And what was what was his name again? Uh Paul McAvoy. I could just imagine you going, God damn it, Paul, you did it again. Right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh and then for Grimm, um I don't know. They they all had sort of their peculiarities where that where they could look strange. I think his mm -hmm. was mostly just his mouth, like just how low it was on his face sometimes. Yeah, which I think was a vestige of of my early drawings of him. Right on. Uh, with with do's and do nots, and then obviously the designs changing from season to season because you guys are hitting a groove. You know, you're seeing something new. Something's better. It looks this way, or it looks better this way. Um. Would that same kind of concept go for the voice actors who are voicing these things? Like, would they have any kind of influence or like, hey, I'd like to try this out. I think my character would say this. Would that change season to season as well? Uh, I mean, there's definitely kind of an evolution to the voices that you can hear that I think mm -hmm. also just came from uh, you know, repetition, discovering yeah, certain things in the booth where certain lines make people laugh or certain ways that people say things make people laugh. So I think there's just a natural gravitation to that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, in, in general, there's also just a lot of ad-libbing, uh, especially yeah. I, I do try, you know, I try to get like three takes of, of the way that I think that I want it, mm -hmm. uh, or, or at least one take that I'm like, yeah, I can, I can use that. But I definitely want to give the actors like room to play and just do whatever. Uh, Infamously, uh, Billy uh, during Richard Horvitz during uh, uh, the Big Boogie Adventure Scario song, uh, we were on take. I don't know how many of uh, just him him building out these songs, and uh, in the middle of the take, he just goes, "I'm really, really hungry," <laughs> and they just kept singing, and I was like, "That's the one," <laughs> and we used it. And he was singing for a sandwich, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, is there any is there any not just the with the Halloween special, but is there any uh voice acting, what do they call that, sessions that stick out the most to you in your Billy and Mandy uh tent tenure? Uh yeah, definitely there were, were some cool guest stars that came through. Um Malcolm McDowell for the Christmas special was a lot of fun. Um Weird Al was was great. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always loved Weird Al. Uh, there, there's uh, somewhere I have a deep, or not a DVD, a CD of uh, poop stories. There was just this one of our last recordings ever. Uh, I think Gray Delisle just told this random, disgusting poop story, <laughs> and it just set up this chain of of horrible poop stories where everybody was telling their individual story of themselves or someone they knew who shat themselves and it was amazing 
I just had this guy, Anthony Leoy, on uh, his episode actually dropped today. He's a director for King of the Hill. He's also worked on Big Mouth, American Dad, um, and then HR. And uh, he was talking about the Phantom Shitter over at Netflix. Or not Netflix, excuse me, uh, the film Roman. I've heard of this. I've actually yeah. <laughs> heard of this. So that devolved into, and it's funny you bring up a shit story because I, you know, I sent him an email saying, "Hey, your episode dropped. Here it is. Uh, take a listen to it." And uh, he was like, "Man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sound like a complete idiot." So I guess that's a win. I was like, "No, dude, you sounded great." I was like, "I loved uh, like going back and re-listening. I go back and I take out any of the edits that everybody wants. Like if I have a guest on, like, hey, can you edit, you know, this part, that part out? If I look dumb and sound dumb, it's fine. I don't, I don't really care. Uh, but I want you guys to look good. So if you guys want something out, I have, I take it out, no problem." And uh, I was like, I was listening to it, and I was can you at take work. out the first twenty to twenty-five minutes. Yeah, I can do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll just leave the last 37 seconds, you know. Um, but uh I was like, no, dude, you did fine. I was like, I was at work and I was I was I was cutting some things um in the restaurant and you get onto your poop story about the phantom the the phantom shitter and I was like, dude, I'm in tears because I I forgot about it. I thought it was so funny and it's funny how everybody has a shitting story. And I, I typed that out in the email. And I was like, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, Hey, make sure the next time you come on or the next time you talk or you respond to email. And if you want to hear it, I was like, I've got a really disgusting one for the Navy. I'll share it with you since we're talking shit stories. Um, and it's Halloween. So what's better than a shit story on Halloween, sure, you know? Yeah. Um, Naval shit stories. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a shit story of the ages, right? So whenever you go through the straits, so that's a very small channel for those folks that don't know what a straight is, uh, you go through very small channel, land on both sides. You generally cannot make a wake. You can't go over, you know, maybe five knots, six knots or whatever it is. And that's the the speed for the boat, ladies and gentlemen. And when you're in the straits, you also can't discharge gray water. So that'd be any of the water that you use for washing your hands, flushing the toilet, uh, laundry, um, sinks, any of that type of stuff. You can't flush it overboard because you're so close to people's land. So you have to be like 50 nautical miles off of any land, piece of land in order to discharge gray water. Um, so generally when that happens, you go down to very, if it's yellow, you let it mellow. If it's brown, you flush it down to an extent, right? We can only, the ship can only have so much. I'm on an aircraft carrier, right? These are floating cities. 5,500 people on one ship when the air wing is attached, right? So we've got 5,500 people on the ship. Generally, there's so many bathrooms throughout the ship. There's quite a few bathrooms um, and they're designated by rank. They're designated by, uh, you know, where you're at within the ship for your living areas and everything, your birthings. And generally each place uh, or each location or each zone has one bathroom that has one shitter in it that is designated for a shitting stall or a shitting toilet um it happened to be um my week going off of the cleaning schedule so it was a new oncoming guy that had the entire fucking week's worth of shit right so he's wearing this bathroom and he's got this one stall that everybody's using and we can't flush anything because we're already at like maximum capacity for shit water gray water and all that other stuff right mm -hmm. I shit you not when I tell you I've never seen, you know, that scene in Jurassic Park where it's a pile of shit and, you know, Dr. Malcolm comes out. And he's like, that's a big pile of shit. That's what that looked like in a toilet form, right? From human being. Yes, it was over 
the toilet seat. It was disgusting. Nobody could flush it because this pipe had busted or something had broken. So nothing was being flushed. And people were just shitting on top of shit, on top of shit, on top of shit. The most disgusting thing I've ever seen when it comes to shit stories, man. So uh, I don't know if I beat, <laughs> I don't know if I beat Gray, but it was a I mean, yours shit. is more horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for the guy that had to clean the bathrooms because it was it was my not my week anymore. I wasn't going to help him clean it. I did my week of cleaning. Um, so it was disgusting. Smell was awful, man. Um, but getting it back to um, <laughs> to some fun shit, you know what I mean? Uh, Toonami VTuber fan wants to know, why wasn't Haas Delgado uh, in the special? And they all also go, and I'm a bit curious about the whole Underfist Halloween bash fiasco. I get that it was coming at a weird time of Cartoon Network for that weird push for live action rather than animated content, but it would just never got the chance it deserved. She's, uh, they said, I love Grim and Evil and Evil Concarni series, and of course the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, to the point where I bought the two DVDs for it. Uh, so it just seemed it would be a win-win for fans. Um, so yeah, the first thing they wanted to know is how come Haas wasn't in it and uh, the Underfist Halloween bash. Yeah, Haas wasn't in that first Halloween special just because there wasn't room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I you got to pick, uh, you know, uh, uh, who your cast is, and hmm. at that point he didn't make it, but he did get under fist, so there's that. There is that. Um. Yes, yeah, so we answered that one. Oh, this one was really cool, and I wish I would have did this one a little earlier. Consumer Collectibles wanted to know, can you ask him about the process of making the opening title of Grim and Evil? This is such a fun opening sequence for a cartoon show, man. Does anything stick out, or what was the process like for you flushing out the idea for the opening sequence and the theme song? Yeah, that it was sort of crazy in that mm -hmm. uh, we had no time or money. <laughs> like... Grand total, I think we had two weeks to do the whole thing, and that was Jesus. from storyboard to actual completion. Uh, so there was no time for animation. Like, I couldn't send anything overseas. I think there was, like, some deal where, like, if we got something done immediately, like, they could turn it around, uh, but just, like, five, ten seconds or something. And I don't, I think I was just like, at this point, we'll just do it ourselves. Uh, so... I, I boarded it out. Uh, uh, we went real sort of cut rate with it. Uh, my one big regret is uh, there's a moment in the pilot where Billy and Mandy go into limbo and their bones fall from the sky and then their guts fall from the sky under their bones and then their skin falls on top of that and then they're fine. Uh, just sort of this dumb, rubbery forming that happens uh so i wanted to recreate that but we couldn't do it with the animation because we just didn't have the time so in the in the titles it just sort of there's like electricity that happens and they sort of form uh but other than that i i think we did pretty good with what we had uh like all the, the hands coming out of the ground mm -hmm. uh that was all just after effects uh just basic kind of pushing things around uh it was all put together in like two three days uh, with me and my editor once once we got the assets done uh so we just uh it was one weekend uh with my, my girlfriend and my roommate both of whom worked on the show both of my roommates uh we just threw water balloons full of paints at 
uh, poster boards to get the kind of slashes. Yeah. Uh, use those as transitions. Uh, there's some uh, mysterious smoke that swirls around the edges that we, we filmed. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, yeah, just very, very indie and uh, just kind of put it all together to the, to the music. And thankfully it all worked out. Now, when you go into something, I'm always fascinated at how you guys think. When you go into something like a an opening title, what's going through your head? I mean, are you starting like you would start an episode if you start from the you know the end and work your way back? Like, what are you pulling from to kind of come up with the you know? I got to make sure everybody knows what the show's about, so I got to show the characters, I got to show this. But what are you looking for? What are you trying to push out when it comes to an opening theme? Uh, Billy and Mandy was really inspired a lot by the cartoons I watched as a kid. So mm-hmm. like the opening titles of shows like G.I. Joe or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where you mm-hmm. just sort of see like, you know, just a moment sort of showcasing each major character and then like kind of groups of characters. So uh, it was very much kind of like a, a, a riff on that sort of opening title. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense, man. Like I said, it's just... Some shows you'll see that they take clips from, you know, episodes that they're already working on and then they put that in there. And then I've always found that fascinating because I'll watch a show and then I'll see something and I was like, all right, well, I've seen those other three or four seconds worth of, of shows, shots they've seen, uh, the shots they've shown. And I was like, I've seen those in episodes already, but I haven't seen these two. I was like, I wonder if this is coming. And then by the time the show's ended, you'd never see it. I was like, man, I really wonder if that was an episode or if that was just something they threw in there and you couldn't really delineate between oh, yeah. well, an episode. Yeah, it's fun, kind of funny when that happens. Uh, we do yeah. have a little bit of that in the title where there's sort of almost kind of a film strip thing that goes by that has uh, clips of what we had at that point, which is usually mm-hmm. the way it goes is like you have your six episodes back. So everything in that main title is from the first six episodes. I remember there's the the Mandy sucking on the lollipop from the, the Piff episode in there. Uh, yeah, I uh, it'd be nice to be able to do the, the main title further down the line, but I guess you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, man. Now, obviously, what you guys do for a living takes in a tremendous amount of time. You know, you guys are drawing and bringing things to life that, you know, start up here. And uh, have, you, have you ever gotten like going back and watching the show you worked on or the show you created? Excuse me. Is there anything that you would love to to go back or have you tried to go back and do just for, I know it wouldn't probably sound like fun, but you know, if you took an opening title or the opening sequence for the, uh, the intro to this, um, would you ever want to go back and just play around with it now doing what you do now and more experience you've had and, and, and all of that stuff. Like I said, I know it's a time, it's a time suck for you. Um, but have you ever done something like that where you try to work out a scene down the road? You mean re just specifically redoing something I've already done, or yeah, like because I did a horrible way of it trying to trying to ask you that question. So let me let me try to associate it with what I do, right? So say I make bagels, so I'm making bagels every week for my restaurant, right? So when I go home, that's where I really learn my craft. I come home and generally I'll take two or three things that I learned how to make that week, or I do a different technique, or I do a different sauce, or I do something different. 
Mm-hmm. I can get better at it if I do it at home because I'm getting more repetition with it. So I take something that I learned at work, say, say a bagel, and I'm going to go and I'm going to make them at home to see if there's a different, a different rolling method or a different stretching method, or if I proof it longer, if I use this instead of this, have you ever done that with anything? Like does work come home with you? And then you're like, man, I really want to flesh out this scene a little bit better. or I want to redo something. Yeah. I mean, work, work always comes home with me. And I think, mm-hmm really a, a lot of when you're on a show a lot of it is just redoing things until you run out of time basically like that's always <laughs> time is always kind of the enemy like there's there's yeah. never enough so if you really want something to happen like you just kind of have to bring it home and fix it and there may come a point where you're just like i can't fix this <laughs> but uh yeah work, work always comes home i feel like these days it's like i i probably wouldn't come home and just be like i'm gonna redo the billy and mandy main title today and just see yeah. what i can do with it and unless i had a reason to uh usually if i have like downtime like a lot of my downtime is sort of creative time but it's mm-hmm. stuff that's not directly related to my job like lately uh like i'm getting ready to dm my first the dungeons and dragons game in like 15 years uh and it's been weirdly cathartic and, and inspiring, but it's it's got really nothing to do with anything I'm doing right now. But like already there's kind of like trickle down with ideas and stuff. So it's it's more stuff like that. Just creative endeavors that aren't necessarily animation. Now I'm gonna take what you're using as being cathartic and and having fun with it is and being a DM for the first time in 15 years. Hypothetically, if Billy and Mandy and Grimm were in that position, they play a and I have not gotten a chance to play D&D probably in the last <laughs> year and a half. We used to play online on Roll20 with me and my friends, and we all live in different states. And I would always roll as a wizard class because I love spellcasters. They're so fun. When I played World of Warcraft, I always played a mage or I played a druid because I was a resto druid. I would heal people. I love healing too. Um, but uh, hypothetically, man, if you could, if you could put Billy, Mandy, and Grimm in a D&D scenario, what uh what class and 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 character would each uh each one of these characters play i think billy would probably dedicate himself to being a healer and then just be yeah. both Fuck everybody competent up. <laughs> and yeah also just a, a horrible asshole uh grim would probably be a bard and yeah. Andy would be a rogue and immediately stab them both on the them both on the back and it would just be <laughs> TPK right off the bat. Yeah. Nobody. Well, I mean, Mandy doesn't die, but everybody else does. Uh, that'd be a that'd be a fun episode, man. Maybe we can get to see that whenever uh, uh, Billy and Mandy come back. I don't think uh, Mandy do you... would want to play. So it might be a double murder suicide. I'm not sure. <laughs> Either way, something fun's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, DJ underscore Barry Eleven wanted to know. I have an evil Concarni question. What was the production story behind the episode Ultimate Evil? It's categorized as part of season one, but didn't premiere until the time season two finished airing. Its art style is also rather different from evil Concarni episodes that came before or after, most noticeably with Hector and Gasly's design. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because the delineations with seasons that are used like for for airing and on the dvd and stuff don't really match up with the way things happen to me yeah. <laughs> like our first season to me was six episodes uh and then we we kind of got canceled and everybody left the show and then we got picked up 
six months later and everybody came back and we did 12 episodes but like those first six episodes and the next six episodes of that 12 are packaged together as like season one so mm-hmm. i always get confused when it comes to like exact number time delineations uh and now i've forgotten the rest of the question <laughs> oh he he was just asking um oh i skipped over uh one second i'll go back to it um he said just the production story behind the episode ultimate evil it's categorized oh, yeah. as part of season evil. one yeah um, uh yeah i i can't say exactly what that was except that we we always kind of use different methods for drawing and and coloring the characters between the two shows so my guess is at that point we hadn't really officially moved general scar over and i hadn't really redesigned boskov so we probably had to do some sort of minor surgery just to make them look okay in the billy and mandy yeah. world like it might have just been a line weight thing but that would be my guess is it's just something that we had to had to change in order for the two styles to kind of mesh together right on um aoki rakurai i apologize if i pronounced anybody's name incorrectly are there any concepts that you wanted to do in billy and mandy that you couldn't get into the show either because the higher up said no or because there just wasn't any time um if that's too much of a you know, kind of concept to bring in. Um, was there anything, you know, within the within the special that you wanted to get in that you couldn't? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, with the special, I feel like we got everything in there that I had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally with the show, I, I always feel like I get this question a lot because people are like, well, how did you get away with all this stuff? And you know what didn't you get away with tell me your secrets but it was yeah it was all it was always very sort of organic in that mm-hmm. uh uh i i had an executive jay bastion who was very much a, a champion of the show so if mm-hmm. i could make a rational argument to him as to why something could be included like he would kind of get into it with standards and i could make my argument to standards so there was a lot of back and forth and everything we got away with was got away with was you know it was sanctioned so uh there were definitely things that they were like definitely hell no uh we we did have a couple of artists who loved to stick tiny penises on the storyboards (laughs) and every now and then i would miss a couple and they would go out and then i would just get like reamed uh and yeah duh i'm not gonna put penises in the show uh but you know aside from the really obvious stuff uh Cartoon Network was was cool with it. There, yeah. There's another story uh, that I, I may have told before on the, on this show, and I'm sorry if I did, but uh, I was not watching uh, Dave Chappelle at the time, and we did the the gangster rap episode, and there, the board artist put in this skeet, skeet, skeet joke, and I didn't know what that was, but I got a big laugh, so I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. I guess it's you know slang that I don't get. Uh, so I, I caught hell for that too. <laughs> so that, you know, it made me a little more aware of what was going on, but yeah, it, it was all always sort of an organic, you know, process with, again, very collaborative, a lot of people involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck dude. It's, I, I love hearing stories like that because it's not the one, the first, the first dick in a scene joke i ever heard um, <laughs> I, I believe it's brad abelson 
Um, he was a Simpsons board artist, right? And uh, he went on to co-direct Dominions. And uh, he was saying uh, one of his first, one of his first um, panels that he was doing, Bart was on a claw machine, right? And he had asked, like, hey, what do I draw in here? He's like, oh, you know, just teddy bears, this, that, and the others. So he drew a dick and balls in there, too. And I can't remember if he said it was, like, really small, but it was out of the way. But it made it all the way over to Korea where they were animating The Simpsons. And there was one guy at his desk, and he was animated. And he goes, hey, boss, can you come look at this? And he was like, am I supposed to? Is, is that what that is that what that's supposed to be? He's like, yeah, that's a dick and balls. We got to go take it to the take it to the manager, take it to the to their boss. So it was the head of animation in Korea talking to the head of animation at Fox trying to get this guy fired. He's like, oh, man, he made a mistake. He was just screwing around. That one was that one wasn't supposed to go out. We shipped the wrong one. It was he, and he was a young kid, too. He was like mm-hmm. 19, maybe, you know. So uh, and then he was like, Mark Kirkland was the guy that saved me, legendary Simpsons director. Um, so it's just funny uh, how prevalent penises are being drawn in animation. Yeah. <laughs> you you did remind me of uh, another one where we. Uh, I don't remember which episode this is, but the, it's the one with the dog shampoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandy's trying to get Billy to to wash his hair with this bag of dog shampoo uh which is is like a paper bag that says dog shampoo and there's like little flies flying over it and clearly it's not really shampoo yeah <laughs> but for the whole episode he's carrying it around and then it's during the end credits there's just a scene where he's washing his hair and singing in the shower and that's where we left it in the in the board and then richard horvitz when uh, he came in and he was doing he's like do hey wait a minute this isn't shampoo this is dog shit and I was like, ah, we'll just cut it off before he says shit. But we sent it <laughs> off to Korea that way. And when they they sent the footage back, they just took it upon themselves to like make the suds in his hair brown. <laughs> so there's somewhere out there, there's a, a horrible version of that scene where it's just <laughs> Billy washing his hair with dog poop. God, internet, please, we need a win. If you can find <laughs> this one, tag myself and Maxwell in this. We need we need this uh, we need this video. Um, Dagwood XX wants to know. Um, th- this one I got so many questions on throughout uh, throughout all of social media. Where were the Billy and Mandy puppets kept after the Big Boogie Adventure movie? There were so many people that wanted to know about the puppets. Uh, they were, and as far as I know, are still kept in uh, my former executive Jay Bastian's office at Warner Brothers. He's now, oh. I think vice president of tv animation and they sit on a shelf uh with four billion other toys yeah oh, so that's many so toys. cool it's insane that's cool but he's in that's you're not the first person that's actually brought him up so shout out to him because there's two execs that i've heard so many great stories about he's, he's actually one. the uh i think it's the episode where hostel gato pulls down the visor on his car and he's like nobody's as cool as this guy and then there's just some like guy in boxer shorts getting cereal out of the cabinet, and it's that's that's him. That's Jay Bastian. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! But it's it's him and Linda Semensky always come up as as some of the best execs because they mm-hmm. they kept them from you. And by them, I mean you know the executives. They kept the other executives, the non. I don't want to sound like a dick, so I don't mean it this way. The non-creative people away from the creative people. The guys that were sitting here drawing no, yeah, the gals. That's, that's you fair. Know, and- yeah, it I just really didn't want to step on your toes. Enormously helpful. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So shout out to him, man. Thanks for doing what you do and being a good guy, man. Um, uh, Mr. Aces wanted to know, love the show growing up. And I must know, was the Billy and Mandy video game really showing a sneak peek of the big boogie adventure movie? Oh, probably. I think we even had a little bit of a preview of Underfist in there. There was a lot of stuff that just kind of overlapped in those last couple of years. So the, the video game was kind of in the middle of it all. And I remember when they were like, hey, we need uh, like unlocks for the, for the end. So if you've got any like teaser artwork and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like so much. <laughs> uh, Sparkster 2499 wants to know. How long would Underfist have went, and what are some of the stories that we we would have learned with the cast of it? It would have gone twenty seasons, but nice. Thanks a lot, Cartoon Network. Do better, um, Cartoon Network. I I hadn't you know thought about it too in depth because these things are always so uncertain. But the the uh, most of the sort of little teaser title cards during the end credits are actual viable stories that i did plan to pursue like uh erwin was going to go to outer space where there were other vampires and uh there was sort of this egyptian bounty hunter girlfriend who was going to kind of take mandy's place uh i was going to kind of have the team evolve over time so uh there was going to be one where Haas got swapped out with eris for an episode i kind of wanted to do it as a series of specials so it would just mm-hmm. be i don't know if they'd be holiday or whatever but just sort of more long-form things that's how i thought of them that'd be really but cool again, to see yeah thanks cartoon Network. Another, another day <laughs> hopefully a soon day um brandon we asked your question about the second appearance for jack-o'-lantern um any word on the musical movie? I don't know anything about this, um, but it was from the uh, same person. I would say it's a safe bet that that's just not happening no. now. Uh, it's, uh, um, among other things, it was sort of a multiverse thing, and I feel like we're so steeped in that now that I don't know that by the time I got around to it, would, would it even be? Is there anything left to make fun of? I don't know. <laughs> I mean people are making fun of missing out to make fun of if that makes sense. So you could break the third and fourth wall, possibly. I don't know how deep you want to go. It's like Ant-Man is it quantum quantanium or something along those lines where he's just going deeper yeah, into like the, the 36 walls or whatever. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, I think that's Deadpool. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of those two where they're just breaking consistent walls, man. Um, Dean Gilbert wants to know, uh, this is one of the best Billy and Mandy episodes. Can't wait to listen. And Maxwell, I know there is a turbulent past regarding execs and Billy and Mandy, but with the series airing on Adult Swim now and being proudly promoted to boot, do you think there is a sliver of a chance at a revival? Now, we did talk about this very loosely. You are working on a couple things, but I did want to uh, bring up uh, Dean's question because this style of question came up when I had Jody on last week week or a week before last whatever it was and there's one thing that i uh that he had said during that episode was like if you guys want to see something like any kind of revival make sure you're watching the checkered pass make sure you're tuning in when cartoon network's putting out something you know check it out because they're looking at the viewership they're looking at what people are saying about it so the best thing you guys can do is vote with your dollars. So if you do want to see something like a billion Mandy, like Haas, um, like Underfist, like all of these other things that people are asking questions about when it comes to the billion Mandy universe, 
man, tweet at Cartoon Network, tweet at Warner Brothers, call David Zaslov, you know, call anybody, email anybody you can and say, hey, we want more Billy Mandy. We want Underfist because, like I said at the beginning, Maxwell, you guys deserve having another run at what you guys were doing because what you guys were doing was pretty good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if there is to be anything else, uh, it'll it'll be based off of how Checkered Past is doing. So, watch Checkered Past. It's where the good cartoons are, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Burger Baby uh, wanted to know. I have a question about the Cartoon Network Invasion special. We had a couple about these ones as well. How was it working with the other shows to make the story about how the aliens came to the other shows' universes? You remember anything about uh, that? Yeah, uh, again, like these things are—they're always like under these super tight deadlines. So this was a very weird one where they were like, "Hey," and I, I had just done Billy and Mandy versus the Martians, and and nice, like Billy and Mandy was like to to me it was all sort of fantasy and and horror stuff, and I left the sci-fi for Evil Concarne, so I, I never really wanted to do a space thing, but I was like, I'll do this one space story because it's fun and dumb. And I did it, and it was okay. And I was done with it, and I was like, "No more, no more sci-fi." And instantly, Cartoon Network was like, "Hey, guess what? We're doing this big crossover, and it's an alien invasion sci-fi thing." And I was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> so uh, you got uh, me. Yeah. So they were like, "Well, we, we want you to be sort of the the capstone to it, like you'll be the final piece of the story." Uh, so I was like, "Okay." Uh, so the aliens were coming from i think camp laszlo is where they first appeared so like there was a design that kind of came to us from camp laszlo and then i remember there were a lot of kind of like back and forth just phone conversations where it was it was kind of cool because it was one of the only times we were all sort of all the creators were on the phone together or, or kind of virtually together uh yeah just just lots of uh back and forth trying to figure out the the minutia of of what mattered and what didn't regarding these aliens another fun thing was midway through uh cartoon network was like oh hey by the way it's now sponsored by craft cheese so please work in cheese which is why there's cheese <laughs> uh so we all worked in cheese and then somewhere at the last second craft was like oh we're not doing this <laughs> so there was no cheese sponsorship we just ended up with cheese so again it's just like there's these tight deadlines and just like stuff comes at you and you're like well how do i solve this problem <laughs> and that's do that's making tv do better craft macaroni and cheese <laughs> um with with all of these with all of you guys teaming up and working on something collectively was because you see it i don't know if you outright see it in a lot of the shows but you do see some crossovers uh when it came to like we i had mentioned johnny bravo got to do scooby-doo they got to do a little scooby-doo crossover uh, i think dexter was in powerpuff girls and there was a couple other of those series that crossed over with each other was there one of those series or shows that you would have loved to cross over with 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 the billy and mandy characters I mean, we era. we did our kids next door, of course. So, well, yeah, yeah, with the kids next door. Was there any uh, other one that you would have loved to play in? I mean, yeah, any of the those shows would have been fun to to, to play with. Uh, we we had our uh, sort of Powerpuff Girls moment. Uh, mm -hmm. It was sanctioned by Craig, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been great to do just sort of an overall cartoon network crossover kind of like the the city you know that they had set up for the interstitials yes. but 
sort of an actual show. Like that would have been fun. Missed yeah, it would have. Well, maybe with Checkered Pass, we can. I mean, because all of you guys are still around, uh, you know. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it'd be too hard or too out of the question. I mean, it's like Cartoon Network, man. Listen, listen to what we're talking about. We're going to tell you how to print money. Get Maxwell, get Gendy, get Craig, get John, get Van, get all of them back and let I'm them. I'm pretty do. sure that uh, Craig and Gendy are doing something over there. So, oh, they that, are. That's another thing. If if that does well, so it could could mean good things for everyone. Dude, all uh, what is it called? Rising tides raise all boats. So uh, something like, that. yeah, something like that. that. I'm not a full, yeah, I'm not a phil, uh, phil, philosophical type of person, but uh, I hope I got that one right. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, so you answered it wasn't going to always be Jack O' Lantern for the special. Um, did you have other than who we talked about with the Boogie Monster? Was there any other famous Halloween? Uh, and this is coming from East Afternoon Five Eight One. Were there any other famous Halloween monsters uh, that you thought about? Also, if not, what other monsters would you uh, would have loved to make a special out of? So they're talking about classic. Did you ever want to play around with Frankenstein, Dracula, any of that? Uh, it's always sort of hard coming up. Like I've done a lot of Halloween specials now, and mm -hmm. uh, with the Scooby Doo Halloween I did, I, I ended up uh, looping back around to. Pumpkin monsters once again, just because yeah. you don't see those too often. But yeah, there's so many uh, iterations of ghosts and vampires and Frankenstein monsters and werewolves. And, you know, those are sort of very much Halloween archetypes, but they're mm -hmm. also just kind of Billy and Mandy archetypes and Scooby Doo archetypes. So it's like, what differentiates this particular, like, what makes in a spooky show a Halloween special? So I don't know. It's it's always a challenge, and uh, I I love working with with all sorts of classic monsters, but it's just it's rough sometimes to pick something unusual for a Halloween special. Who was your favorite Scooby Doo villain? <sighs> oh, of all time? Yeah. Uh, probably the the space creep. <laughs> Oh, dude, that dude's pretty cool. I think I, uh, nope, I think I might have gotten rid of it. Uh, Funko had did the Scooby Doo run, so they had the Shag, they had Shaggy, they had Scooby, um, they had Captain Cutler, which he was an exclusive from Funko, so he sold out instantly with all the bots that bought him up, and he was like a two hundred dollar pop. I'm like, I'm not fucking. I got three kids. I can't spend two hundred dollars on a fucking toy, not right now, at least. Um, and then uh, the space kook, I think, is what he was called. Yeah. Um, but but I, I love Captain Cutler. I love the word. Like, there's so many. Like that first run of uh, uh, Scooby Doo. Where are you? Some of the greatest villains of all time. And and they're just it's you know it's the villain of yeah, the week and type of thing. Those but fun. episodes. I guess they ran them so much, and you know, mm -hmm. in their own way, they're classics. So I do. Oh, remember classics. those original villains. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. Um, uh did jack ever kill anyone with his pranks does he have a body count yeah yeah <laughs> more than one less than just un underneath here. that uh funny little shag of his there's there's a whole pile of awful awful things <laughs> if ensville had a queen is her descendants still around ensville the queen of ensville yeah. 
Yeah, I, I assume so. It's probably Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then they finish it off with, do you know that you created the best Cartoon Network original? Because you did. Thanks to you and Dilworth for making my childhood spooky and funny. And that's from East Afternoon 581. I didn't uh, know that. Well, Thank you. Now you know. And knowing's half the battle, Maxwell. Um, what do you think? These are all these questions that we that you talked about. You had a lot of irons in the fire, so... We might skip over this one. Outrageous underscore mind six five one eight wants to know what does he think the legitimate chances of getting Billy and Mandy destroy us all pitched, uh, and he put in parentheses pitched movie um, made is. If you had to put it on a scale of one to one hundred, four. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe as high as twenty. I think there would have to be like a Billy and Mandy series or at least some sort of revival before that happened. And even then, if it happened, I would have to probably rethink what it was. Just because Billy and Mandy is a uh, a satire, and it's always a satire of the times. And the times, they are changing. They are changing, for sure. Mumbo Bumbo 64 wants to know. Uh, we talked uh, we talked about the uh, the fleshing out the idea for Jack and, and the Boogie Monster. Um, was there ever a darker take on Jack uh than what was initially planned did you guys ever have a darker take for jack or was it always the the kooky guy he was uh i mean no he was he always was the kooky guy the the dark part was always him getting his head chopped off and we were just so amazed i think that that happened <laughs> that we didn't even think to make anything darker than it was beautiful um <clears throat> Oh, this one's fun. Uh, TNCN guy wants to know, what's your favorite Cartoon Network Halloween special other than yours? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I used to be, this will be controversial, but uh, it, it might be Scary Godmother. I, scary I used Godmother. to be jealous of, is that what I'm thinking of? Am I thinking of the right thing? Uh, what What show did it? Uh, it was on Cartoon Network. Am I wrong about that? Am I mis I uh, misremembering? I don't know. Let's figure this one out. I'm going to Google it. You said it was called Scary Godmother. Yeah, Scary Godmother. Uh, no, it's spooktacular. Um, it's got a very um, ah, uh, what's his name? Tim Burton vibe to it. It's 2003. Um, it's from Canada though. I don't know if it's yeah. Uh, they Cartoon they used Network to uh, they used to air that every year, and I would be all jealous of it because it would get good numbers. And then I watched it. Is and it I was like, ah, it's all right. Is it is it this? I think so. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. It's got a very uh, like I said, Tim Burton vibe to it. Um, so we'll give that one a we'll give that one a shot. Um, so you said that one was your favorite one to look forward to every year for uh, i mean really I, I would just end up watching a lot of courage <laughs> but i'm unsure <laughs> of like does courage have a halloween special that's another one where just like every episode is kind of halloween so i don't know if i did i don't it think must. it does it must but i you would think remember what it is you would think if it if 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 any two shows deserved a halloween special it's you and courage um i'll uh i'll go and do some some digging here after we get off this chat um, and then he finished up with, please tell him his show was a big part of my childhood. Thank you for everything. And that's from Mike. 
Um, cool. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it was a big part of my young adulthood. <laughs> oh, and it was a huge part, man, of 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 our childhood for sure. Growing up, um, and that was that was it for the fans' questions. Um, you know, we started doing uh, this wrap up. I, I think it's very fun. And uh, like I said, when I had you about two years ago, I was still really, really new um to 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 podcasting so there's a couple things that we've added as this thing has evolved kind of like your show you know you go through and you draw these characters thousands of times and you find better ways of doing it or you find more insightful ways of doing something that's kind of what i've done here in the podcast man Uh, and i didn't get to ask you this question and as soon as i hung up with you the last time i was like fuck why didn't i ask him this because i thought it was a really cool way to end it but i'm gonna ask it to you now um, when you sit back and you think, and we're not just talking about the Halloween special, but we're thinking about Billy and Mandy in general, man. When you sit back and you think about everything you've got to do with Billy and Mandy, what were some of the first thoughts, first words, first emotions that come to mind when you think about this beautiful show you gave us? Uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess pride in a way. Like yeah. uh, it's just we we went through so many sort of hardships just getting getting it made and it's just like it it felt like the entire thing, with few exceptions, was just sort of this crazy scramble, mm-hmm. uh, to to continue existing. So, the fact that that we did it and uh, you know uh, managed to get picked up for seventy whatever episodes, and after getting canceled like three times, yeah. It feels pretty good. <laughs> how 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 hard is that to deal with? Not getting canceled and then brought back, canceled and then brought back. Like mentally, I got to imagine that's pretty fucking taxing on you. But but what are you doing to like mitigate the the downside of that when that's happening? You guys are getting canceled, picked up. Was there anything you were doing to try to help with that? I mean the the nice thing is. As the showrunner, like I, I'm employed for the whole run, so mm-hmm. from from the very beginning to the very end of post, I'm there. So for me, like we would get canceled, and I would lose the whole crew, which sucked, but I would still be there. Mm-hmm. So it, it was rough in that I had to sometimes find a bunch of new people to fill roles that had people that I was completely happy with before. But that's also just kind of the nature of the business. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's a seasonal gig, and uh, you you work for a certain amount of time, and the show may or may not get picked up, and generally it doesn't. So I, I think it was easier to kind of let go back then in some ways than it is now. Like now that I've mm-hmm. I've had a couple of really good runs where like Billy and Mandy, I was on for I was at Cartoon Network for I think almost a decade. Uh, I was at Disney for like five years, and those are both really long runs. Like that just doesn't mm-hmm. really happen. So, uh, yeah, these days it's it's a little rougher. Where uh, you know I'll be on something, and then I'm like, oh, it's it's over, and that was nine months. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's wild because I did that in the military. Like every couple of years, like you go to a new place essentially, and most of the time, like for me, I, I moved to an entirely either different state or different part of the country every time I, I change duty stations, mm-hmm. you know, so I can only imagine, you know, you get used to being around these board artists, these writers, these executives, and then, you know, by no fault of your own, you know, it's just shitty luck of the dice. It's like, all right, well, everybody has to leave now. So now you have to not only make new friends, but you also got to, you got to 
build that whole trust up between new board artists, new writers, new executives. You got to sit there and everything that you should have been building upon, you got to kind of tear down and redo. So I can only imagine, like I said, just the, the fucking pain in the ass it was. There was one question that I wanted to circle back to before we wrap this up that I forgot to uh, write down. Um, but somebody had said, how did you come about doing, and I apologize for not writing your name down, but how did you come about to doing, um, I think they said either boards or um, writing for cow and chicken. I know we didn't talk about that the first time I had you on. Uh, that was uh, a lot of that uh, happened because of, of uh, this guy who was kind of my mentor, Vincent Davis. He was actually the producer of the first season of Billy and Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think I actually just met him randomly because I walked into Hanna-Barbera with a portfolio uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm the producer on Cow and Chicken. Here's what you need to do. Do this and this and come back and uh, see me again in a week and that kind of thing. And uh, so I, I got a job doing uh, prop design, uh, which is sort of entry level, typical entry level design animation job uh, where you're drawing cars and axes and anything that's not a character or, or a background. Uh, and during that time, I knew I wanted to get into boards, so I kept kind of asking about that, and eventually Vincent was like, well, take a board test, uh, you know, just take this outline, do six or eight pages, uh, tell some jokes, and so I did that, and that got sent off to David Feast, who was living in Fresno, and he would come down to L.A. once every few weeks, uh, so mm-hmm. eventually I, I ended up meeting with him, and he was like, yeah, I loved your your board test. Uh, do you want to do a board? And I was like, yeah, okay. So that that's just kind of how it happened was uh, running into the right people and and trying out. And uh, that first board actually was uh, the only thing I've personally ever won an award for. <laughs> really, like I've I've won you know kind of group awards for shows, but uh, that was like the the Annie Award for storyboarding that year. Uh, and it just it's so rough. I, I don't know. It makes me wonder what I'm doing with my life sometimes because I did that board in like two days. But I guess it worked. Well, what what uh, uh what what board? What episode was it for? Uh, it was called the Karate Chick. It was a story, uh, cow and chicken storyboard. Mm-hmm. I have to go. I have to go uh, check that one out. Um, you said it was Karate Chick. Uh, I got to have uh, David on. Um, my first my first year like first couple months of of doing it i had him on and i, I t- i've told him this and i brought the story up a couple times so i ladies and gentlemen i apologize but i treated him like a gorilla in the zoo or a gorilla out in the wild like i for like for the first little part like i didn't want to make eye contact because i was like dude that dude he created one of the first cartoons i can ever remember watching and laughing so hard that i i damn near pissed myself so i'm sitting here thinking like i'm like this dude and he was like the first creator i had on too and i was like and i was like i said super new super green to podcasting super new to talking to people and i was like what do i say to this guy that made me laugh so hard do i tell him it's great no that sounds dumb and i'm sitting here having this inner dialogue with myself and then i'm like fuck I'm ruining this. And then I remember talking to him after he's like, no, dude, that was awesome. You did great. And he was like, I, th- I thought you've been doing this for a long time. I was like, man, if you think I did great, I think I can do this because I felt like I did shit. I was horrible. I was, I felt like I was stumbling over myself. So getting to talk to him and just getting to 
getting to talk to you too, man, just getting to hear how you guys think and what you guys see for, for a show or what you guys think is funny or how you punch something up or the wording you guys use the dialogue. I mean, the story you told about the opening title, I thought was crazy because it was none of that tight opening sequence feels like it was done in two weeks. It felt like you guys had a shit ton of time. It was so cool. It was like I said, it was Billy and Mandy itself was so different than everything else, but that opening title at the end with the, with the lightning flashes and then the fucking ho- the devil horns come up for the rocker horns. <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. It's so metal. You don't see that in any other cartoon network series. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, and you, you definitely did good with David. I know like, uh, <laughs> With gorillas, like if he runs at you, you just want to like scream. Yeah, and, you like, ball up, fetal you position. You don't run away. You don't run away. <laughs> you just ball up and hope everything works yeah. out all right, man. Um, so I, I figure, uh, I figure we could end it with this one, man. Um, in a hypothetical situation, right? There was a lot of questions about this. If you were to get the chance to bring back Billy and Mandy, would you want to do? Like it never ended and you just pick up where the last episode dropped off. Would you like to do a little bit of a flash forward? What would you do if you had the keys to the kingdom for Billy and Mandy? I think what I really want to do is just kind of surprise people with Mm -hmm. a different show that has the same characters. Sort sort of of an underfist situation, but different. Uh, There's always the, uh, the, the as if it had never ended route, which... I'm not against either, but uh, I like surprising people. <laughs> yeah, and we like surprises, man. Would you bring back uh, if there was if there if you could bring back? You know, this might put you on the spot. And you might not want to answer it. It might you know make some other people upset. But if you if you could bring back maybe you know a director, a a board artist, a background uh, painter, is there is there like one person from each little category that you would love to have back on if you could redo or do something new with these characters? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that is hard because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like our our core crew was was very much a family, so I would have a really hard time picking out just like one person from each category, but. Uh, there's so many people I would love to bring back if it's possible, which I I don't even think it is. Like so many have gone on to, you know, there's there's directors at DreamWorks and just like people, you know, who used to do boards and now they're just doing things that they're never going to come back from. But uh, I don't know. Never say never, man. I mean, I, I I never thought I would get to see Samurai Jack wrapped up after it ended. You know, I I will say uh, I would love to collaborate with ch greenblatt on something involving cartoon network yeah i would like and to maybe see <laughs> something like that will happen someday soon hey who knows ladies who and knows? gentlemen make sure you who knows make sure you're tuning in to what maxwell's doing over on social media because that'll be the first place the news will break man well like i said maxwell this has been a lot of fun uh thank you for like i said i told you last time man thank you for the show thank you for the special thank you for your time and thank you for your stories man it's always a pleasure when i can sit here and talk to a piece of my childhood uh and just get to go down and reminisce about the good old days you know so thank you again for your time yeah th- thank you julian T- time always flies so uh Anytime. Absolutely, man. Well, he's been Maxwell. I've been Julian. It's been a What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Happy house.